This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The analyst inside cricket and, well, it's a pretty regrettable day for cricket generally and certainly Australian cricket with the news from South Africa that Steve Smith has been asked to stand down as captain and David Warner as vice-captain after this bull-tampering story which emerged overnight. Uh, Cameron Bancroft, if people haven't seen the footage already, clearly doing something with a piece of yellow material in his pocket and the Australians, incredibly, after the game admitting that ball tampering was a mission. They discussed it in the lunch interval. They were attempting to do something to the ball to change its condition, which obviously is against the laws of the game. And they admitted total guilt. And, and it was quite amazing, really, to see, Simon, that, you know, the Australians, that press conference, I mean, I felt that, in a way, the, 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 the Australians sort of didn't really feel the wrath of the world was going to come on them. They kind of held up their hands and said, yeah, it was a bit wrong, sir. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a poor decision and it won't happen again. But of course, he's not going to have the chance to make it happen again because he's being deposed as captain. Well, I thought the most interesting bit in a way of that Steve Smith press conference yesterday, there were lots of interesting bits. In fact, they were all fascinating in, in its way was the end bit where he was asked about, you know, have you thought about standing down as captain? And he sort of dismissed it as if, well, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, we've come here, we've admitted our guilt, we've said sorry. You know, there'll probably be a sanction. He probably was accepting there'll be a sanction from the ICC. But, you know, on we go. But I think completely misjudging the mood of Australia. I mean, the Prime Minister got involved and we're in New Zealand so you know we're in the same time zone roughly as, as Australia so we were getting all the reaction coming in from Australia during the day while the Eden Park test match was going on the Australian Prime Minister having a very strong reaction saying you know it's all inconceivable the Australian cricket team would be involved in cheating expressing his disappointment and anger and you just get that sense that sort of groundswell of anger from Australia about the, the actions of their team they feel they feel sort of humiliated and embarrassed by their cricket team by what their their team has done so I, I think it was a, a misjudgment a misreading by Smith of what was about to happen and what was about to be 
unleashed. I've got no idea how well he, he slept on the evening of the third day of the, of the test match into the fourth day. But you know, when he woke up, it obviously been pretty clear pretty early on of the sort of reaction, the sort of day he was in for. I just think generally there's this sort of deluded aspect to, to Smith, really. I mean, deluded in the sense that he thought that they could orchestrate some ball tampering and not be caught for doing it. There are 30 cameras filming the international cricket these days and cameramen are, are very quick at picking up on the ball being passed around and what's happening to the ball and they're all you know on kind of sort of red alert to kind of zoom in on anything which looks slightly suspicious so how a, a captain and a team thought they could get away with something like this it beggars belief and then to actually confess afterwards and think that really there would be no ramifications. I, I think that uh, Steve Smith can't possibly co contemplate being captain of any team again because in the laws of cricket, the first sort of page is the spirit of cricket and it says that captains are responsible at all times for ensuring that play is conducted within the spirit of the game as well as within the laws. It certainly doesn't say that the captain can orchestrate... <laughs> cheating or you know tampering with the ball it's it's basically saying captain has a huge responsibility to look after the the fair play in the game and what what was bancroft trying to do by the way i mean that for those who are sort of mystified by the whole art of reverse swing and you know old balls and tampering and stuff what basically players try to do is scuff up one side of the ball as it gets older because that encourages reverse swing. And obviously there are legitimate means of doing that. You can throw the ball in from the boundary or shy at the stumps, but bouncing the ball just short of the stumps and hoping it lands in a, a foothold or a bit of dirt and, and scuffs the ball up that way. The umpires are quite alert to that now and actually pernickety about it, I think, and try and stop teams from doing that. I think it's completely legitimate. What's wrong with bouncing the ball in and, and trying to get one side roughed up. It seems a completely legitimate ploy. It might create overthrows for the batting team, so I don't think it's a, a, only a, a sole possible advantage for the fielding side. And then, of course, you can also bowl cross-seam deliveries so that the ball lands on the, the leather part of the ball as well. You're not allowed, in the laws of the game, to bring in, to introduce artificial substances or objects to change the condition of the ball you are allowed to polish it on your trousers or you know your shirt but you're not allowed to bring artificial substances to help the process of changing the condition of the ball which obviously Cameron Bancroft was and again I just say I can't believe that international cricketers still think they can get away with you know a piece of tape in their hand which they're trying to get some dust or, or debris on to rub the ball make it a bit like a sandpaper I, I just can't believe they think they can get away with it. What about other grey areas? I mean, I know in the past, uh, bowlers have been accused of using bottle tops and things like that. When it first started, before the authorities you know, were alerted to it and started to be far more vigilant. But you know, of late, I mean, Faf Du Plessis was shown on camera in Australia in South Africa's last tour. Uh, and it looked as if he was putting the saliva on the ball on the ball and you know with a sugary substance you know he'd been eating sweets and he was subsequently given a punishment by the ICC some demerit points you know what about that is that more of a gray area do you think I think that is more of a gray area and what you can do is you can rub moisture from either sweat or saliva onto the ball but what he did wrong was he seemed to be transferring the 
saliva from the sweet straight to the ball, well, there's no sort of natural substance involved in that process. It was just a pure mint. You know, you might as well just get the mint and rub it on the ball. So you're obviously not allowed to do that. But if you're sucking a sweet, and nobody can stop people from sucking sweets during the game, if you're sucking a sweet and saliva sort of mixed in with that, I don't see how you can prove that that's an artificial substance. So I think that's fair enough. It is a bit of a grey area, but at least he wasn't introducing some external object to rub on the ball. I think, you know, he was just foolish that he, you know, the, the, the mint was on his tongue and the finger went straight from the mint to the ball. Once you get the ball to reverse, once you alter the condition of the ball, I mean, you, know, you can do it illegally, you can do it legally, in inverted commas, although you mentioned the umpires, you know, try to stop you banksing the ball in. Once you've got the ball reversing, I mean, that's no guarantee that you're going to run through a side, is it, as well? That's, that's the other thing about it. We've seen great exponents of reverse swing in the past. You think of the great Pakistan bowlers, Waka Yunis and Wazim Akram. They could get the ball to hoop. But it's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get the ball to, re to reverse. And also, there's no guarantee you'll get, be able to run through a side either. Well, no. In fact, there was that uh, funny time when five penalty runs were issued against the Pakistanis at the Oval. Daryl Hare was the umpire on that occasion, and he accused the Pakistan bowlers of ball tampering, and they were docked five penalty runs. And if you remember the test match after that was abandoned because the uh, Pakistanis refused to come out after tea. They felt so sort of humiliated by the whole thing and felt they weren't cheating. I saw that ball and it had a few scratches on it, but you couldn't tell whether the scratches were natural or introduced by the bowler's fingernails. You really couldn't. Bowlers became quite good at, at sort of almost mimicking what was a natural scratch and just perhaps slightly enhancing a natural scratch and making it a bit worse. But nevertheless, the ball hardly did anything because I remember watching that session of play I was working in defense of the Pakistanis in the lawsuit that followed and so I got to actually inspect the ball and I looked at the footage and there was hardly any movement of the ball at all actually so you know part reverse swing is a, is an art that even if the ball is moving doesn't guarantee wickets you have to be able to bowl it accurately and fast and and make the movement deceive the batsman to take the wickets that's where Wakar and Wazim in particular were so brilliant because they, they were able to manoeuvre the batsman round the crease and then nail him with an amazing in-swinger. But actually, you find that you know reverse swing, just because the ball is scuffed, doesn't necessarily materialise, and you have to have a, a good operator to really exploit it. Anyway, let's get a view from Australia about all this. I've contacted the esteemed journalist Greg Baum, who writes for both the Melbourne Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, to find out exactly what the sentiments are about this whole incident down under. Well, I think this is the most extreme example of how uh, our national cricket team lives inside its own cocoon and doesn't seem to grasp that uh, there's a real world out there that gets very offended by basic things like cheating. Um, we, you know, they've been playing a very aggravated series in South Africa, as everybody knows. They've played their part in causing and, and propagating that, that antagonism. Um, we've come to sort of grudgingly accept that about the Australian Test team. Um, but this this was a whole other level. And if I was to sum up, maybe I don't think maybe that I've captured this quite succinctly enough in the piece that I've written, but if I was to sum up the mood of the people I know and have spoken to and have heard speak 
around this country today. It's anger. It's genuine anger that the team that purports to represent all of us, the team we sort of set our cock by when it comes to uh, our national, international sporting reputation, could behave in this way. And, and the captain as well. I mean, you mentioned the team. You know, the captain is the figurehead, the guy who makes the decisions. Uh, is there some sort of outrage at the way Steve Smith has behaved? I mean, how has, how has he perceived in Australia before this and subsequently? Well, we've spent a couple of years of, of having you know, very wonderful perceptions of, of him because of the way he's battered for the last two years. And uh, I think there was, a, there was genuine admiration. There was, it was tinged during the Ashes summer with a little bit of apprehension about, about some of Australia's more, uh, you know, let's say, aggressive tactics during that series. But we, we wondered whether it, whether it was the captain alone or whether it was a committee of him and the coach and the senior players. Um, but I agree with you, the, the captain takes responsibility and, and even in this he, he's been remiss he, he spread that blame across an unnamed committee of senior players uh today which looks to be about five at one stage cricket australia's hastened to say no it's only two it's him and the vice captain but um ultimately he's he's handled this um apart from fronting up to the media uh, and he had no choice really the, the evidence was there for all to see he's handled this Poorly. It's almost as if he, and to a lesser extent, Cam Bancroft, thought that if they stood in front of the media, admitted all, said they were sorry, said it was a one-off, that they could, that, that would be the end of it. And that is that is such a, a hopeless misreading of the, of the situation. I suppose the follow-up to this is, uh, you know, other other sackings or resignations might follow. What's the the, the feeling in Australia about anyone else who? who might need to, to admit guilt and, and fall on their sword? <laughs> well, I think that that's the question for the next two days. It, it, Australia have sent their integrity officer over to Cape Town. Uh, even that amuses me a little. Um, we, we have an admission of guilt, a, f- a full admission of guilt from, from the principal characters involved. There's no great investigation that needs to take place here. Um, but when it does take place, obviously Smith will be in the firing line, uh, Bancroft will be, Warner will be, and um, even though Smith exonerated Lehman from uh, blame today, he, he will squarely be. Uh, I, I don't think anyone particularly buys the idea that, that this all happened um, with the total unknowing uh, non-support of, of Darren Lehman. Is this the lowest point for Australian cricket since the underarm delivery? Well, there's even an argument. It's hard to rate um, crises, especially of this kind, but there's even an argument to say this this is lower than then because, you know, awful as as the underarm underarm day was, it was legal at the time under the laws of the game. Um, Go back another 40 years before that, and body line was legal at the time. This this was uh, blatant, planned, constructed, premeditated, breaking of the laws of the game, such as I can't really remember before. Well, some pretty strong words there from Greg Bourne of the Melbourne Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. So this situation is obviously going to run and run. After the break, we'll look at the prospects for England in New Zealand. Well, welcome back. And, of course, this issue in Cape Town has completely overshadowed the test match going on in Auckland, which England are struggling to save. What are the prospects then, Simon? 
not much chance of reverse swing at Eden Park, not from what I've seen anyway. The very, very lush outfield. There's just the, the strip, just the pitch, and that's all there is for the, the bowlers, the fielders, whatever, to, to work with to get one side of the ball scuffed up. And England's bowling attack, uh, relatively ineffectual on what still looks to be a good batting pitch because it's not been used a great deal. It seems strange to be talking about a good batting pitch when England were bowled out for 58 inside the first session of the match. More resistance from England in their second innings, but their hopes in this game hang by a thread. I mean, it's been a, a sort of fascinating day, you know, watching and, and commentating at Eden Park at the same time, having your, your eyes and ears open for what was happening elsewhere. And I'm sure that was the same for the players as well. They'll all have their opinions, you know, on what's been happening elsewhere in Cape Town. I mean, it is it is fascinating, isn't it, to see uh, the, the Australian cricket team called out, basically. Um, and it, it does feel for their supporters. It, I think it, it, you get a sense that it does feel quite humiliating for them. So it, it's hard not to be absolutely drawn to what was going on at, at Cape Town at the same time. It hasn't been a great day, as you say, for England. And, you know, not a great day for England or Australia's captains. Australia's captain has stood down and England's captain, hopefully, hasn't got a broken finger, but he was out next ball. And he, I suppose, Joe Root, represented England's best hope of saving the game. He was playing pretty well as well. It was a dramatic end of the day's play. I was commentating on Test Match Special. and Trent Bolt, he's a fine bowler. He really is. He's, he's, he's a hustly sort of bowler. He skiddies at you the whole time. None of that you know, aggressive bowler as well, but not that sort of verbal aggression. He's just got aggression in the way he runs in. He runs in with purpose and he, he hurries you. And he just got that extra bit of bounce to root in the final over. Struck him on the gloves. Really painful blow. And you just wondered for a minute whether Root was going to have to retire hurt. You just thought, well, perhaps he's broken his finger. The reaction was so extreme. He was throwing his glove on the floor right at the end of the day's play. Well, he, he got back up. There were two balls left, and you know, time was ticking away. It, it wasn't going to be the last over of the day, but there was so much time taken out of the game because Root was recovering and the, you know, the pain was presumably dissipating. The physio was out there. Next ball, really excellent delivery from Bolt. So in at the body, and he gloved it down the leg side and a, and a good catch by Watling. And the, the way they celebrated New Zealand is almost as if they'd won the game. Well, perhaps that is the, the key moment, the one that really breaks the game open as far as New Zealand are concerned. And they've dominated this game pretty much from start to the end of the fourth day. And you know, they deserve to go on and win the game. But, of course, there is precedent. England were four down when they last played at Eden Park and they saved the game, that 100 from Matt Pryor and some heroics in a <laughs> yeah. roundabout way from Monty Panasar yeah. with that dive. And that dive that, that in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it, it could happen, but you feel New Zealand in a very good position. England, three wickets down. Not too much wrong with the pitch. One or two have, have kept low, but they, you know, they've got a very good attack, this New Zealand side. Bolt and, and Wagner. Wagner made something happen as well, banging the ball in short, just drawing Stoneman into some pull shots. He top-edged a six to get to his 50, but it wasn't particularly convincing. He struggled against the short ball at times in Australia, and Wagner found him out here. He really won that battle, and Stoneman hitting the ball out to fine leg and out for 55. Really frustrating for him because, you know, he played pretty well. But, again, the, the same question marks uh, arising, really, about his batting at, at this level against the short ball. And I suppose, also, another failure for Alistair Cook won't help his overall mindset or 
the feelings of the selectors uh, because it's an, it's another double failure in a test match and if you take away his 244 at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in the Ashes, it's been a pretty poor sequence of scores for Cook. Uh, so England still really searching for a, a solid opening pair because Stoneman hasn't yet managed to get out of the 50s. I mean, he's looked quite competent a few times, but hasn't ever been able to go on and really make a decent score. The problem for England is that they have been poor away from home for quite a long time now. And what do they say? Do they say, actually, we need to change things a lot? They came to New Zealand, and basically it was the same team. Stokes coming back obviously makes a, a massive difference in theory, although he hasn't bowled in this game. He was out for Norton the first thing, so he hasn't had a, a great influence on this game. But clearly he's a fine cricketer and, and wills as time goes on. But essentially it's the same team as were beaten in the Ashes. Uh, they've, they've stuck with it. What do they do in the future? Do they think about big changes this summer? I suppose it depends how tomorrow plays out. And it depends how Christchurch plays out as well. England have got some very talented cricketers, but they don't seem to have a very effective test match team. The bowling has been quite samey. They've struggled to bowl teams out, especially overseas in the last, well, there'll be 12 test matches if they don't win here, which they not, are going, they're not going to win here, obviously. Um, and, that, and that equals a record, 12 test matches without an, uh, in a row without an away win. And, and in that time... I think the last 11 test matches, the, the opposition has scored over 300 in their first innings. On, for the most part, they've scored over 400 as well. England's uh, attack is just lacking that bit of venom, that bit of spite, that perhaps a bit of variation to go on and, and win test matches abroad. I wonder whether that's something that will be addressed, whether there will be a, a shake-up going into the summer. Of course, it's Pakistan, then India, big series against India for the Ashes next summer so I mean lots of high profile cricket coming up and there's that feeling that, the, that the, there's so many question marks over this England test team despite the fact there are so many good players in it it's a, it's a strange one really. So lots of emphasis then on county cricket this summer to produce the new generation of England test players and with that in mind I should mention that this podcast is now in association with the Cricketer magazine the new issue is out this weekend and it contains the wall chart of all the games colour-coded for the English summer, helpful guide to where and, and who to watch and also it has a, a bumper county preview as well of all the counties and how their performances will unfold during the summer. So the Cricketer magazine and you can get 20% off your subscription of the Cricketer magazine if you go to this website, the Cricketer dot com forward slash podcast follow that link www.thecricketer.com forward slash podcast and you'll find there the option to subscribe and get 20% off your subscriptions and meanwhile problems for England in how they're going to save this game having lost Joe Root but even greater problems for Australia how they're going to rebuild their reputation after so seriously sacrificing the moral high ground if they ever had it in South Africa more will no doubt unfold from that story and we'll look to reflect on that this time tomorrow on this podcast but for the moment thanks very much for listening Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, 
loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.